welcome. I'm Hayley Ellis and you are listening to An Ode to Life's Extraordinary Fuck-Ups, where we get intimate with the messy, beautiful journey of women's lives. Even though failure is a normal, necessary part of shaping our brilliance, it doesn't mean it isn't hard. So here we celebrate life's fuck-ups the women who grow through them, and the never-ending practice of courageously taking imperfect action. Welcome, beautiful humans. In today's juicy conversation, we have Eleanor Crawford. Eleanor is a thought leader, speaker, and coach in the manifestation space. Her experiences and life story are essentially moving-making material and proof that humans can do really hard shit. Eleanor's purpose is to lead, guide, and teach women that they are the creators of their own life and, as such, can change their circumstances. She does this through her business, Life Creation Co., which offers full-day immersive manifestation circles, manifestation mentoring programs, and private coaching, as well as her podcast, Eleanor Crawford Unplugged. Her emotional resilience and ability to find gifts in tragedy inspire her audiences to move forward with empowerment and determination. And she exudes such calm, peace and gratitude as she does this work in the world. I first came across Elle in a Sunrise Zoom workshop. And while we didn't get the chance to connect there, when she spoke, I noticed just how brilliant and vibrant her energy was. She radiates such heart, magic and warmth that I was instantly drawn to learn more. About a week later, she walked into my workplace and again she was smiling with such brilliance and magnetism that I was filled with curiosity. Isn't that the way of the world sometimes? When we see someone shining, we instantly want to know what's got them so happy. But for me, it's a curiosity of, I wonder the journey they have walked, the challenges that they've overcome, and what enabled them to do and be, what I hope for us all, deeply loving and joyful in all of who they are, as well as how they are sharing their radiance and wisdom with others. I just love how when women rise, when they truly rise with their inner power, it is only natural for us to turn and lift others. The more we can support each other, the closer we can come to the world of our dreams. Having had some time to connect with her since then, and here, just a small part of her journey, I am so deeply honoured to have her with me today so that you too can be brought into her journey, the challenges, the patterns, and the self-ownership, responsibility, and leadership that brought her through it all to be sharing with us today. So from the bottom of my heart, I welcome you, Elle. I am so grateful you are here with me today. Wow, Hayley, thank you so much. What a beautiful, beautiful insight. <laughs> You're making my heart swell. I just love shining the the brilliance of women back to them. It is so often so easy for us to ignore our own and just witness that of others. So it speaks to my heart to be able to to be able to share that with you. I'm very grateful. Thank you. You are so welcome. Um, so my favorite place to to start with this is I would deeply love to hear what your vision is for the world and how that is inspiring you, guiding you and moving you towards creating in your purpose? I have a very big purpose, a very big goal for women in the world. Mm -hmm. The reason that I work 
<clears throat> exclusively with women is because I have walked in a woman's path and I feel very equipped to help women. And I hope that there are lots of men out there who are helping men. I really do. But for me, it's women. And I think that having walked the path of some very hard shit and having survived that and really thrived through that to a place of absolute empowerment and peace, I want to guide other women to do the same, to know that they can choose how they respond and react and therefore create the life that they really want to live, be the best person, the best version of themselves and make not only them feel proud, but I was thinking about it. And if you're a mother or if you have children around you, to be the role model for them that makes them proud of you and makes you proud of how you model to them. So that is really my purpose in life. I love that. That's powerful on so many levels. Like being being a mother, absolutely, you get to model the way. But I also love that when you show up in your brilliance, those around you as well, so friends, co-workers, family members, also almost gain the permission to start showing up more authentically and more empowered themselves. So you being you and you being more empowered just that alone, let alone all the magnificence of the work that you're creating, is rippling out effects on all those around you. Well, I think it's really important that we show up 100% who we are and, and mm-hmm. you know, that permission piece around that is very murky. I think mm-hmm. that we look externally mm-hmm. way mm-hmm. too much to either heal ourselves, to entertain ourselves, satisfy ourselves. And it is the most important relationship in our in our life is our relationship with self. Mm-hmm. And all of our other relationships are a reflection of that because we are our own lens. You know, we we project our stuff out mm-hmm. onto other relationships and we're our own frame of reference. We can only act, behave, think, you know, emote from our own experience, which is our own frame of reference. So I think it's really important that we give ourselves permission to be the fuck whoever we want and yes. do it do it with absolute, you know, posture and 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 not being kind for sure, being kind and compassionate to ourselves and others and having lots of acceptance of self and others, but just being bold and ballsy and and you know empowered enough to really just walk in this world exactly who we want to be being proud of ourselves I think that is such a gift to ourselves but such a gift to the world as well I could not agree more just being able to let go of like you said we only see the world through our own lens so being able to let go of all the ways in which we have been holding ourselves back that we have been telling ourselves that it's not okay to be wholly who we are being able to sort of move through that and then to be able to be who we are boldly, vulnerably, courageously creates tremendous waves in in our own life. And I love that you said it's such a gift to the world. Yeah, absolutely. I think we get I think we get stuck in this process of watching other people, particularly women, because I think women have well, my generation of women, and I think it is slowly changing. I, I can see a generational change, but I think mm-hmm. that we are brought up, well, I was brought up to be a good girl, quiet, um, you know, toe the line, 
and the and the expectation was to get married and have children. I come from a big family of five boys and two girls, and we have a very, very successful family business, but my sister and myself were never invited into that business. The expectation mm. was that we would be married and the business is wonderful and it's and we gain from it we profit from it but I would have loved to been in that business and help help build it and expand it it just wasn't even an option thankfully my nieces are now involved in the business so that's great but I just feel like you know we weren't taught that we could be fully ourselves and so we what we did was we were modeled we had these role models around us and the mm-hmm. women that we see now, whether it's in real life, through schooling, through um, religion, through, um, you know, family members, or even now with social media, which is such a huge impact. We mm-hmm. see snippets of other people and we think we should. And when we should on ourselves, that always means that there's an underlying <laughs> syrup of judgment. That yeah. We should be more like that. And so we're still looking externally and we're taking this patchwork of the people that we see and we try and become that. Now, that's not what I'm advocating for at all. I'm advocating for you to find out what fills your heart with love, with mm-hmm. kindness, with compassion, and then do that. And sometimes you need some help to unlayer the shit. In fact, last weekend I was on a little self-retreat and I was doing just some doodling and the doodle that came up was, a love heart, which was the true self. And then above it were these layers. It looked a bit like a rainbow and mm-hmm. there were layers of things like judgment and comparisonitis and all these different layers of of um, behaviours that we sort of layer on top of who our true self is and then mm-hmm. our life is sort of above that layer. So it's like we're on this, we're walking above who, who our true self is. And when we can unlayer those things and come back to us, that's when the peace and the joy and the and the surrender and the oh, the calm really, really starts to thread its way through every day. And it's it's having faith in something that is bigger than you and mm-hmm. that you can then be relaxed back into. It can be your soft place to fall. It it is just an incredible way to live when you can unlayer and come back to your true self. Yes, absolutely. It's um it just reminds me of of Shrek like with the with the onion layers. It's like who were you before the world to- told you who to be? Exactly. Like and like you said this can come from, you know, culture, society, family of origin, religion and absolutely social media now because we're seeing a, a snippet an image of what we should be like that we do absolutely move into comparison and then like you said it can be really hard to discover what what wants and needs and you know paths in life are actually our own versus what we've what we've been told that we want and even though you mentioned in your generation things were a little different I know that we're in two different generations but even in mine growing up with you know what a woman <laughs> should look like was was for sure different, but I still absolutely grew up inside what a what a good girl was, um, and what that meant was acceptable for me. And yes, things have shifted and changed, but the uncovering of those layers was really challenging and can be really challenging. And this is where, like you said, sometimes we do need a little bit of support. 
because if these have been internalized for our whole life, these ways of viewing the world, these ways of viewing ourselves and what we should step into, we become experts at hiding them. We almost can't see our own stuff (laughs) because we we avoid looking or when we do look we kind of like chop off before before we get to the real juice well i think the juice is scary right and yeah and not only it's it's scary because we operate from our minds Mm -hmm. and our mind is has our conscious mind and our unconscious mind and our unconscious Mm -hmm. mind is like 95 percent of our mind and it's Mm -hmm. it's an amazing co-creator for us awesome wants to keep us safe and wants to keep us um, evolving but in a safe way so it also doesn't like being unfamiliar being in the unfamiliarity in the unknown so the juice is in the unknown right so Mm -hmm. the 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 unconscious mind is going to say hey that's a bit too juicy and let's go back let's 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 retreat back into what is known because that's safe Mm -hmm. so so lots of people come up to their edges where they know that there is something that is holding them back or causing behavioral patterns or emotional um, emotional patterns like triggers and knee-jerk reactions, but they know that they have to step into the unknown and they don't know how to do that. They don't know how mm-hmm. to do it on their own. You know, I've had loads of therapy and and support from others to help me move through those layers into the juicy bits. But when you get to the juicy bits and you actually process them and you witness them and you and you make changes that you want then that's when the the liberty is that's where the liberation is and I think it's really important to give yourself permission and just know that whatever happens you're going to be okay I think people get so caught up in thinking that something is going to happen and they won't be okay but you're always going to be okay yeah you're absolutely right the um the protection mechanism i mean it's there for a reason right you know from from long years past where we needed to know which which berry bush not to eat or which lion or which animal to run away from and it's still very much there in our primal sort of mind that gets triggered like you said from from things that have happened to us and things that we're scared of and like moving into that place is just where the freedom freedom mm, happens for sure yeah, I mean, look, that there's a very old that very old cliche that um, that freedom's on the other side of fear, and mm-hmm. you know it sounds very simplistic, but it is actually true. We, mm-hmm. we, you know, we have that opportunity to open up our future and to create it the way we want it, but we think that we're at the mercy of life. And you know, the clients that come through my world, you know, some of them are racked with so much anxiety and so much depression and they think that that is is who they are but Mm -hmm. you know they are there because of the choices they've made and because of the lack of awareness through no fault of their own Mm, we're not taught yeah we're not taught we're not modeled we're not conditioned in that way and so educating and and helping women to open up their minds and their hearts you know when we when we act from our heart and from our gut and we listen to our bodies more than we do our brains that's when that's when we can start to make the changes that are that is really empowering and you yeah. know it's something new and different so it's scary for sure yeah. but that you know that's why there are beautiful women in the world who are helping other women to to actually to unlayer themselves and expose themselves to the as the beautiful hearts that they are and and give them the knowledge that 
in every second of the day they have choice. Mm. And you kind of alluded to something in what you said that I'd really just love to sort of bring out um, is this sense of, you know, where where we are because of the the decisions we've made. Absolutely, life happens to us. And for some, you know, taking that self-responsibility can be really triggering because they've been through really hard things. But the way that you were sharing, it sounded more like regardless of what's happened to us in life, where can we see that we were in co-creation of that? It actually gives us the power to begin to make the shifts. When we are at the complete mercy of life happening to us, we don't have any power to, to shift or change or grow. And so I really love that you that you mentioned that portion because in claiming some of that responsibility, no matter you know the hard things that you might have gone through, it enables us to to make a shift, make a change, do something differently, to to you know be in acceptance and forgiveness, and you know then to be able to be more vulnerable and courageous and in sharing from from the heart and living from the heart going forward. Absolutely, I think one of the the most empowering things that we can do for ourselves is to live as a witness to our life. Mm-hmm to step out of our life and witness what is going on and then just assessing it. Like, is this the way that I want my life to go? And do I want to feel this way? Do I want to behave this way? And that happened for me fairly early in my life. I remember distinctly, I was 28 and I was standing outside. I was dressed in my work uniform and I was talking to a girlfriend and I actually said out loud to her, I don't like who I am as a person. I don't like Mm. my personality. I don't like how I'm parenting. I was solo parenting three kids at the time. And it opened the doorway to change for me because it's about being curious and it's about having that awareness. And when you can be witness to, to something that you don't like about yourself, instead of just accepting it, you have an opportunity to change that. And so Mm -hmm. that's when I first dived into personal and spiritual development. Now that has been a pretty checkered career and pretty much all of my 40s I didn't pick up a personal development book Mm. Um, but it you know in my 30s was was fraught with with tragedy and it helped me to survive that and not only survive it but but build this faith in something bigger during that time around 28 to 30 I heard this um, saying this adage and I can't even remember where I heard it it might have been I the first book I ever read was The Seat of the Soul by Gary Zukov, which completely changed my perspective on life. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if it was within that or sort of a similar time frame, but the adage is it's a perfectly ordered world. Now that was this faith that I had in that, which saw me through some really shitty times after that that really helped me to understand that it was a perfectly ordered world. So if something had happened and it was fucking shit, it happened because it was meant to happen and you mm. just got to deal with that and process that. And that really helped me to build that faith in something bigger than me. I have a similar sort of sense. It's like, you know, it, it allows me to move into receptivity and it's kind of like if imagining all of life is organising around my success, mm-hmm. you know, if everything is organizing around my success, then everything I'm going through is an opportunity, no matter how how challenging <laughs> or, you know, the level of tragedy or pain or heartbreak, there's always an opportunity in that. So it becomes, you know, how can I orient to it? 
in the most powerful way that allows me to get through it with the most amount of grace <laughs> and nice. ease that you that, that you possibly can and compassion for self absolutely like number one rule I think is having a bit of compassion for yourself and others and I would love to hear since we've moved in this direction like you said that your years have been peppered with tragedy I would love to hear what what the biggest um, experience challenge failure that you have been through that you find most fundamental to where you are now like I understand that we have hundreds but what sort of one would you love to share today with everyone who is listening that has been so fundamental to where you are now and the the wisdom and brilliance that you are shining and sharing okay well it feels quite logical to to share my story around losing a child Mm -hmm. because that shapes you like no other thing does but that's not actually what has shaped me the most recently and brought me to where I am now so my daughter Chloe passed away almost 21 years ago my only daughter and she was my obviously my love you know Mm -hmm. Um, she had cancer on and off for all of her life and died just before she was 13. What that caused me to do was to throw myself into life to honor her however I did that through husbands, band-aid boyfriends, booze, shiny objects, everything external to me until uh, three years ago. So we're talking a long time. We're talking 18 years of grief and behaviours that I wasn't always proud of. And it took, I'm sure God said to me at some stage, Eleanor, you're actually very, very broken. I was in my third marriage and I knew that I was not living in purpose. I knew that I was not living in my heart. I couldn't actually even feel my heartbeat. It was all brain, head, mind, cerebral mm. stuff. And so I'm sure this has happened. This happened in order for me to be where I am today and continue on this path that I'm on, on now. And that was that God said to me, Elle, you are so broken, but you are ignoring it so well. You are just shoving it down, and I call them shit bricks, like emotions that are repressed. I call them shit bricks and (laughs) put them in our backpack. Then my shit brick backpack was so heavy that I was always looking outside of myself to heal and to entertain and to distract and, and just to live outside of who I was. So he decided that a fully broken ankle would be a really good way for me to stop ignoring my brokenness. And so three years ago, three years and three months ago, I stepped off a boat in the Maldives and broke my ankle so badly that it took, I was still having surgery a year ago to try and help with the collateral damage of that. Um, Wow. And what that did was it sat me on my ass and it made me reassess my whole life it was a really tough time. Physically, it was very, very challenging. I had a two-story house. I was had to crawl up to bed. Um, I was on a kneeling scooter. Uh, it caused a back issue just to flare up like you wouldn't believe. I was in a moon boot and then I needed second surgery because the first one was screwed up. It was just huge. But it gave me time and space to really work out what I wanted to do. And one of the, the things that came roaring up into my into my awareness was that I can do hard shit. 
And if I can do hard shit, I mean, this wasn't the hardest thing I ever had to do when you lose a child. Nothing is harder than that. But it it showed me that I had this resilience and I had this empathy and compassion for others that if I can do hard shit, I can show other people how to do it as well. And that's when I became a coach for women. And then the next hardest shit I did was to decide to leave the marriage that was perfectly fine. I had manifested this marriage because my whole goal in getting married again was to be successful at marriage because having had two marriages already end. Mm-hmm. Um, so I manifested the perfect marriage for that, but it didn't fill my heart. It wasn't fulfilling. It wasn't deep. It wasn't something that made me happy on a daily basis. It was a very surface level, completely fine. And if it had been me 15 years earlier or 10 years earlier, I probably would have been fine there, but I wasn't, I was on this trajectory. Sorry, I love that word and struggle to (laughs) to pronounce it. It it was, I was on this path of evolution of Mm -hmm. really dropping into my heart and finding out exactly how I wanted to live as a, as a woman, as a mother, as a grandmother, as a woman in, in business. And the marriage was not conducive to that and so the next biggest decision I made was to leave that marriage 18 months ago and that was huge like leaving a third marriage like who the Mm -hmm. hell does that and that then sent me into a different geographical area which is where I am now and you know life is just wonderful I I love where I live I love what I'm doing my son and I who, who lives with me he's nearly he's 17 and a half and I was losing him I was losing him, I could see, and I I was not going to be losing another child. And so he was a big factor in that decision and we are so connected and I'm connected with my other two sons and I actually feel a deeper connection to Chloe and I'm actually feeling much deeper connection to my mum who's passed away a long time ago. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so it, it it was a very big physical and emotional challenge at the time but I knew that it happened for a reason and this is the reason to bring me here today. Mm, Wow. I just, first of all, sending you like so much love and compassion for the, like the hugeness of, of your journey and everything that you've been through and the loss you've experienced and the, the level of grace that I can see that you now have in allowing you yourself to, to move through this really challenging place, having lost a child, having been in a unfulfilling marriage that was a successful marriage by all intensive purposes, but by the sounds of it certainly wasn't a growth orientated relationship to to where you are now helping women do hardship (laughs) go through hard things um without necessarily having to live you know 18 years of of grief like you had have been through so sending you great love for that thanks amy and i'd be really interested to like you said focusing on that time three and a half years ago when you broke your leg broke your ankle and it sounds like all your stuff was coming up during that time and so I'd love to get an inside view into the thought patterns and the feelings that you were having at the time um, about yourself about the world about where you were because it's so easy to see you know, where you are now um, 
without understanding where you've been and for people to really begin to feel like they're not alone in the world, getting to understand that other people have thoughts about themselves that are perhaps not the most brilliant and beautiful thoughts can really help them feel like they're not alone. <laughs> yes. I'd love to to get an idea on what was happening inside of you at that time before you began to make these powerful shifts that allowed you to move into who you are today. At the time when I broke my ankle, I was struggling with what I would call borderline alcoholism. Mm -hmm. I had used alcohol as a fun, distraction, healing, you know, substance for a long time. I was actually very, very good at drinking. And I had tried so many different things because I wanted to continue drinking alcohol, but I had tried so many things and nothing had worked. Like I put myself on a two glass limit or I would you know, have a break and then I'd look at my calendar and I'd go, oh, I've got like an eight-day window where I don't have anything social on. I could drink, I could not drink then. And after I broke my ankle, I knew that I needed to make a change. It was scary. Like I didn't want to not drink again. I loved it. And I decided on the 1st of January, the following, like three months after I broke my ankle, that I would have a break. There was, I had a six-week window where nothing was on and there was a there was a big function in sort of towards the end of February and I thought okay let's let's try this and I got through to that function and I thought wow there's a lot riding on this if I have a drink now all of that that six weeks is just it's disappeared it's dissolved and so I continued not to drink and now I'm almost three years sober at the end of this year now that was a huge decision for me and I, and look I had enough drinks you know, from what was I, 53, I had enough drinks in the, between I was 18 and 53 for anyone, like I, I had my fuel, <laughs> but I still really enjoyed it. Like I loved it. I was a binge drinker. I was a great drinker. And so that was those thought processes of giving myself a hard time about drinking and then loving it and then waking up the next day in such shame and so angry at myself for allowing myself to get out of control I used to I used to drink on my own I would orchestrate you know an afternoon drink catch up with a girlfriend and then they'd go home and I'd just keep drinking I remember so many times just like blurrily looking at the clock and it was half past 11 I go oh it's before midnight so I can open another bottle you know like I Mm. it was seriously seriously I was out of control and it mm-hmm. caused lots of issues with my kids and, you know, wasn't the best role model. And so there was lots of self-talk that was on the very, very shitty side. And it wasn't until I made this decision that I had that clarity, that I was clear about what I wanted and how I wanted to interact in the world. Mm-hmm. And so there were lots of lots of dark thoughts. Um, and Are there th- any in particular that you would feel comfortable sharing um, that were a couple of the the main thoughts that you would have on on repeat post you know a night like that. Oh, probably just that you know that I was a shit person, shit mother, that I was out of control, that I couldn't self regulate. You know, mm-hmm. all of those thinkings, re- really just down on myself, just giving myself the hardest time possible, mm-hmm. and just being nasty. You know, nasty to myself, and the thoughts were, well, you know, you're hopeless, you're useless, you all of those things and I'm sure other people can relate it might not be around alcohol it might be around other things but Mm -hmm. I think that we get to this point it's like we are we bottom out into this pit 
and we you know i believe and science backs me up that everything is energy so these thoughts of shame and guilt and 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 anger itself they're all low vibrational energy emotions they're all mm-hmm. really dense foul feeling and so that's mm-hmm. where i sat and and there's a scale right like the, you know the top is enlightenment and calm and peace and joy and mm-hmm. gratitude and then all this shit down the bottom it's like a quagmire and that's where i sat and i would have these wild wild swings of emotion like being on this huge roller coaster where i'd be happy and then i and then i would have a few drinks and i thought i had to drink to be confident and have funny and be, be good to be around and then i would swing down into these pits of shame it's like this massive roller coaster i'm no longer on a roller coaster i'm on a nice gradual country drive where the <laughs> you know where I, sometimes i dip down to these lower vibrational emotions but I I understand what has caused it, why I'm there. I witness it, and then I can bring myself, you know, process it. I have a great, you have know, great processes that help me um, around that because yeah, there are still things, you know, <laughs> the journey is never o- over. You know, the evolution, <laughs> learning is never done. Learning so, never no, stops. No, I mean, I was I was um, paralyzed last week from something, and I, you know, this this process just dropped in something that I had been doing but it was able I was able to actually name it and label it so I can help others you know release it and help others uh and yeah so I think that the the thought processes were just that nasty chatter to yourself that belittling Mm. and you know it's just it feels and it feels awful and it's also like you said there's a worldview there so from that place like when you're feeling all those things in that low vibration what's possible you know that there's really nothing possible there's no room to move from from that place and so I love that now you have all of these processes which can help you you know level up and that you never you don't have the the highs and lows in in such a such a great capacity or in such great frequency as as you used to I love I love the country drive I just like immediately relaxed when he said that I was like oh yeah that sounds good (laughs) so can you pinpoint then what helped you make that shift from you know drinking every day to excess orchestrating catch-ups just so that you could um, and then waking up in complete shame the next day what what shifted for you I know that you mentioned that you broke your ankle but can you pinpoint even more specifically when you began to make that change like what happened inside you well, I think that it was a gradual, I don't think there is a pinpoint. I think it was a gradual shift of understanding that I wasn't in control. And mm-hmm. in the end, you know, even my decision wasn't a permanent decision. And I don't know if it is a permanent decision now, but I do not have any desire to drink alcohol. But I think it was more, it was more the witness again, taking away the my drinking rights was how I was how I framed it to myself. You're not responsible. You cannot be held responsible as a as you know with alcohol anymore. So I'm yeah. going to take away the drinking rights. You don't actually des- deserve them in, in you know inverted commas because you you haven't. It's not like you're like other people where you can drink moderately. Mm-hmm. You can't just have a glass of wine at dinner and then not want more. And so by taking it away, you almost said you are deserving of an opportunity to find out 
what you can be without it. Exactly. Who you can be without it. And also I, I loved it because it it when I was drinking, it was a place of creativity for me. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'd dance and I'd write stuff down, not that I could ever read it the next day, but... <laughs> You know, like I got quite creative and I thought, well, you know, this is false creativity. This is not authentic creativity. So what could I create from a sober place? Mm. See, I love that because what you've pointed out there is, yes, it's absolutely false creativity, but it's also kind of a gap that I feel that a lot of women, perhaps a lot of people in general have, that as they grow older, they often tend to separate from, you know, that creativity, that life, that vibrancy and focus very much on on careers or family or, like you said, like being the good woman, the good mother, the good wife, the good house, you know, whatever, and separating from, from that creativity, that, that life-giving, the, the zest, which we often link into falsely with things that remove our inhibitions yeah. <laughs> like alcohol or drugs or flirting or sex or, you know, whatever. External um, stuff. External stuff. So mm-hmm. it, it's really I love that intentionality in choosing to just rediscover <laughs> how to find your creativity, your desire, your actual creation sober. Yes. Because so many of us don't do that. You no. know, we will create drink dates to to catch up with people and to to finally let go of life. Like particularly in Australia, it's very much a cultural thing. Is like when you drink, you have permission <laughs> to let go of work and the stresses. So mm-hmm. giving yourself that in a whole different way, I can see that that's been really powerful for you. It has. It has. And one of the things that I, I think that I had this belief about myself that I was boring when I was sober. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, in order to be the life of the party or be fun or funny, I had to have alcohol on board. Well, now I can just, it, what it's done is it's been such a liberation because I can just be whoever the fuck I want. <laughs> you know, it's like when you're drinking and you're whoever you want to be, that it comes, it, there's a duality there that you know you're mm-hmm. not really being authentic and then there's the shame that's underneath it like there's this foundation of shame I'm not really being who I am I'm being uninhibited like you said Mm -hmm. whereas now I can just be whoever I like without any judgment it's just like this is me accept me or don't accept me I don't care I'm Mm -hmm. just who I am and it's just been so liberating to know that I can go to social events and just be who I want to be and and my personality can shine through uninhibited by alcohol. Mm, I do love that because you, you're absolutely right. I hadn't thought of it that way previously, but, yes, it is. It's almost like who you are without alcohol versus <laughs> who you prefer to be with alcohol sometimes until, you know, maybe it gets out of control. And it's like I, I wonder where else that duality takes place in life, like, you know, who we are by ourselves versus who we are around other people, mm. you know, or who we are, you know, single versus who we are in a relationship or, or however that takes place. It's like being able to bring in a space where you can be all of who you are at any time, fully authentic, and, you know, the people that don't align with that will fall off. Yeah. You know, when I stopped going out and partying, I lost most of my friends, <laughs> but who cares because they yeah. weren't 
my people. They were just, you know, my partying people in my very early 20s. But being all of who I am now allows people who love me or who maybe didn't know who I was to really come forward and those who don't align to to drop away. And I also really just want to name that being all of who you are doesn't mean you have to be the same in every capacity. Like one of the biggest things for me in coming into my own wholeness was this, this quote that I found through a yoga practice that is nature is both wild and serene and so am I. And it touches me now just to to speak to it because I had been in that dichotomy of, you know, there's a part of me that's deeply spiritual and can just sit and meditate and spend time on myself, by myself. And then there's also this part of me that just wants to go wild and jump on tabletops and have a bit of a dance. But I'm like, I don't want the lifestyle that I saw that came with the wildness of the drinking and the partying, but I still had this yearning in me to be you know, authentic and vibrant and loud and bold and and so beginning to incorporate that all into just who I am and allowing that to pop out wherever it needs to pop out mm. gave me such a massive gift that I wouldn't have got without that. And it sounds for you, you wouldn't have got without giving that up and giving yourself an opportunity to experience it. Absolutely. And, I, you know, this is why this passion and purpose to work with women to give them permission to uncover who the, their true self the essence of who they are and who they want to be and work on that I mean we're all so unique if if someone doesn't want to dance on tables that's great too you know we'd be pretty <laughs> boring if we were all vanilla or all the same absolutely so, so I think that this is why I'm so passionate about helping women is because women have conformed to how they are meant to be or who they are allowed to be and they haven't actually blossomed into their own their own person their own womanhood and so it's about helping them to to say okay well who do you want to be how do you want to behave how do you want to think and feel and then allowing them to give themselves permission to be that with themselves, with other people, in the world, in their job, wherever they are, not just in themselves, in their bedroom, on their own. They can be entirely who they want to be. And this is the whole problem that I had with relationships. As soon as I got into a relationship, I I actually have a podcast episode called um, something about plasticine, like being (laughs) moulded like plasticine. You know, I just, I would get into a relationship and suddenly the things that I love doing if the per- person I was in a relationship didn't like them, I would stop doing them. Like mm, stupid yeah. things like, I, you know, one relationship I had different rings on my fingers and this person said, I would like you just to wear the ring that I gave you. And I went, oh, okay, no worries, and just did that. Like I just would never, ever capitulate to someone else's wants anymore. This is who I am. I love myself. I love the life that I'm creating. I love helping women. This is who I am. If you love me entirely how I am now, then you get to have a relationship with me. But if you don't, bye, I'm happy to be single. Um, It's all good. That's so interesting because I've definitely seen how a lot of women can lose themselves in a relationship. Um, And so I just wonder how many can relate on that specific sense. Like, you know, there are these things that I love doing or loved wearing or, or whatever that their partner has said, no, don't do it. 
or alternatively on a much softer scale they've just let them fall away in favor of their partner's interest mm-hmm. like you know how much of ourselves are we choosing to give up rather than allowing ourselves to actually intentionally bring the things we love forward with us in any any part of life yeah i really think that one of the biggest problems is that we're too eager to be in a relationship mm-hmm. And I know for me, I can only speak from my own experience, but I would be forever, forever looking for a relationship. I've had so many, I've three husbands and what I call my Band-Aid boyfriends, way too many, always, <laughs> always from one to the next, always looking. Because I was so broken, I didn't like my own company. I didn't really like myself. So I think that we get into this into this psyche that we have to be in a relationship. And Tom Cruise mm. saying, you complete me like seriously well I I mean I think that's a societal thing like we grow up reading romance novels Mm -hmm. or watching sorry I love Disney movies but you know waiting for the man to save you before you can begin your life you know I I absolutely love Beauty and the Beast and Lion King and all of these other things but there is this you know cultural growing up inside of (laughs) romance novels is like your life begins when this happens or you know and and historically for women the security of their life came with a partnership now while that is not necessarily the case any longer there are these long dribs and drabs and remnants of that and then like you said this fear of ourselves not liking ourselves spending time with ourselves not feeling like we can do life without having someone else to you know be our security blanket Well, you know, and I'm the biggest supporter of marriage. Like I think marriage is beautiful and, you know, that that's why I've been married three times. But (laughs) I I think marriage is a foundation of our community. I think, it, Mm -hmm. you know, being married and having children is an absolute honour and gift. I think the the issue is that we rush into anything that looks 80% okay or even less sometimes and we settle we settle for someone instead of waiting until we meet someone who is completely aligned with our purpose and you know and our being like-minded and whatever it is that fills our heart we settle for something because it looks good and you know part of this is biological because you know, the the hormones get racing and then we fall in love quickly. And then, you know, for me, I fell in love really quickly. And then two years down the track, I remember the instant that I realized that I was in a marriage that was not, not aligned with me. And can I share this story? Go for it. Please do. I was actually listening to Glennon Doyle's Untamed on Audible. Love that book. Yeah. And I was driving along. I can remember exactly where I was driving. And I and it was the part of the book where she explains how she met Abby, her future mm-hmm. wife. And I read the, oh, sorry, I didn't read it. I listened. I listened to this and she talks about how Abby walked into the room and she just had this like soul connection and mm-hmm. it just sent her, her physiology went mental and she just knew that this was love at first sight and it was a deep soul love. And I remember listening to that and falling into this depths of depression and I had to stop listening. I couldn't continue to listen to the story because I knew that I was in a marriage that was perfectly fine. I'd manifested a successful marriage, but it was not of that depth. And so, and I'd never had that. And I thought, wow, I'm going to go through my whole life never having 
experienced that and it was so so devastating to me I was so sad and that was probably 18 months before I left mm-hmm. my marriage and I, I didn't give myself permission for a long time I just thought you can't leave another marriage it's perfectly fine you know what about the collateral damage you're going to hurt people but I just that that moment that that's a pinpoint that pinpoint moment of hearing Glennon Doyle describe how her first meeting with Abby was sat with me and just needled away at me you're never going to have it you're never going to have it and Mm. and how am I going to reconcile that with my life like I'm going to get to the end of my life and having never had that that's not you know that's not what we're here for Mm. and so I think you know going back to what we were talking about I think that the issue is that we rush and we settle and we and we make ourselves smaller than who we are rather than mm-hmm. being out there and and like getting off the apps and actually living life you know getting off the dating apps and actually living life exactly how you want to live your life regardless of whether you're partnered or not and mm-hmm. then if you're single organically the person will come through your path. But you're going to have to be patient because it's not going to be on your timeline because <laughs> they have to get ready too, right? They might not be ready. Yes, yeah, yeah. I can I can very much relate to, to that whole story. I've had a, a similar time in my life where, you know, you're with someone and then it's just like, hold on a second. <laughs> like if this is my life, I'm not okay with it. <laughs> yes. Like, you know, there is a whole growth-oriented you know, fully supportive, deeply aligned, where all my needs are getting met, where someone's in support of my future and my gifts and, you know, places that I'm not even aware that I want to go yet, that relationship is something that I deeply desire and yearn for. Mm-hmm. And it's like the, the realisation at the time, it's like, oh, this relationship is it, and neither are all the other ones around mm-hmm. me or that I've been in, which means that I'm going to start doing things differently mm-hmm. <laughs> because, Obviously, doing what I have been doing hasn't been working. And so really living in alignment with exactly what you said is like choosing to live your life for you and then allowing the right person <laughs> to come in and fit with you. But I just I really love that you spoke to that because so many of us, whether it's a love relationship or a career <laughs> or, you know, various other parts of our life it's like how long are we in it because we think that that's what we should be in or because it's adequate mm, should it? and and what aren't we mm-hmm. listening to or giving our permission ourselves permission to go after you know sometimes it's really scary to feel what it is that we're really yearning for because we feel some part of us might feel like it's not possible absolutely for sure i think what we lose sight about is that Mm -hmm. is the miracle of conception you know like actually having the opportunity to live as a human being on this planet is like a one in a million Mm. gift like it is incredible mine was even more of a gift because there's a big story there but I like I just think that we take our lives for granted we take the fact that we're here being able to have a human experience I believe that we're you know, souls coming here, having a human experience, a physical experience. And it is a gift. It is so precious. And, you know, having lost a daughter, I know Mm -hmm. how fragile and precious life is. I think we, if you look at society as a whole, there's so much apathy and 
taking for granted and that, you know, life is mundane and and it's the opposite. It's the biggest gift that we can have. And yet we treat it like it's just run of the mill and it's not run of the mill. I mean, we just have to go back to biology classes and realise how, you know, how special it is that we're even here. That, yeah, I um I hadn't thought of it that way before, I don't think. I mean, I definitely am a subscriber to the the belief that we're, we're souls here having a human experience and that, you know, our physical body is the thing that we picked up on entry. <laughs> Though I I do get really curious about how much of our life we spend wishing the day away, you know, like, oh, I just can't wait to get to Mm. the weekend so that I can live my life or I just, Mm. you know, I'll just watch another episode of Netflix. I've definitely done this um, so that it's the, the appropriate time to go to bed and just like, you know, finding something to watch to fill the space or, you know, like how much of our life are we just sort of wishing away rather than feeling into this opportunity to go deeper, to create more, to be in stillness with ourselves, to create connections with people. It's a really interesting reflection. It is. And look, I think there's a place for Netflix or streaming, whatever, for sure. But I think the thing that we're not taught, I would love to revolutionise the education system because I think it's such a... Oh, you and me both. (laughs) Yeah, such a cookie cutter um you know it's shock it's just one fits one size fits all and obviously it doesn't because we're all so unique but I think we're not taught to be present I think that's huge you know we're always wishing for something that is not in the present and you know the present is is the everlasting moment is where everything happens and yet we're still looking ahead looking back you know most people are either living in the past or they're living in the future and they're not living in the present and you know living in the living in the past is causes depression and living in the future causes anxiety so you know being able to be present and being with yourself and and actually accepting and loving on yourself I mean that is the greatest gift and we if we were taught that you know religion doesn't really even cut it you know so unfortunately you know this whole population that you see what's happening in the world and you think if we just were taught to be present and love ourselves and do everything through the lens of love, then, you know, the world would be a completely different place. Really would be a game changer, wouldn't it? Absolutely. I'd love to ask, you know, now that we've we've shared so much about, you know, the circumstances and the changes that we'd love, that we've been through, we'd love to see, I would love to get a clearer picture on some of the ways these these shifts have allowed you to change your behaviors like what behaviors or systems or tools do you now use to support yourself when these challenges come up or these places of shame these inner stories like what is the comparison between how you dealt with it before um, and how you continue to do things now in support of this greater vision of who you are and what you want to see see created in the world? Well, I think this awareness, I think it all starts with awareness um, and I love, I love stepping out of myself and witnessing myself. And mm-hmm. then, you know, there are times, you know, last week I got completely stuck in a fear cycle. I was putting out something mm-hmm. new for business and this whole like, well, who are you to do that type? you know, belief yeah, came up. That imposter syndrome. Yeah, for sure. So I this it, this download came that it was I called it the four hours of reformation 
And reformation sounds like an expensive word, but it just means to reform. And when I when I think about reforming myself, it's it's always with another layer of evolution or expansion. And the four R's are t- to have a rant, to to release. I love it already. <laughs> <laughs> to, so rant, so however that is. For me it was voice recording, writing, yelling, whatever. Next one is release. So release the release the emotions because this is the whole problem. Is we we if we don't express our emotions, they become one of those shit Correct. bricks in yeah. the backpack. So to release and to reframe, and then to re-express. So the four R's of reformation has been something that sort of dropped in for me quite recently. Although I've been doing the process, I didn't actually have it sort of clarified like that. Mm-hmm. So that's something I do. I'm a trained. Um, hypnotherapist so I use a lot of self-hypnosis to help myself to deal with things and I also Mm -hmm. uh, have have a master of NLP as well so Mm neuro-linguistic programming so language is really important I think language Mm -hmm. is so important because we just don't pay attention to how we speak to ourselves and every word is is energy so if we are thinking this cycle of crap thinking we're just actually embedding it into our psyche so I think language is so important Mm, there was an experiment done in I don't know 60s 70s 80s somewhere a while ago a long time ago um that was done on water and Mm. the water molecules You, you may have heard of it I don't know if anyone else listening has but the the premise was you know to feed the water with you know thoughts of love um expressions of love expressions of gratitude um and then expressions of hate and anger and then you look under the microscope and you see the um the shapes the water makes and love and gratitude are the most beautiful crystalline snowflake looking you know structures and then you look at you know, uh, anger and, and hate and they're just, there's no real structure. They just, they look discombobulated and, you know, sharp edges, jagged, no pattern. Um, and it's just really interesting and it kind of amplifies what you say, like thoughts are energy, words are energy, language is. And when we're, you know, putting this judgment and hate and shame on ourselves, like that's that's changing us at a cellular level. Um, as well as an energetic level so you know being able to be really intentional with our shift in language I think is incredibly impactful and profound yeah which all starts with self-awareness you know I Mm -hmm. think that we just the unconscious mind is such a habitual thing that often we get into cycles and um, behavioral patterns of the way we speak and think that we don't not even aware of it and we can just spiral down yeah, how is it that you, like if you're coming across something for yourself and you're hitting that cycle, how is it that you create space to have that awareness of what's happening on an unconscious level? Generally getting out into nature, like mm-hmm. removing myself from whatever I'm doing and being just at one with nature. I don't think you can stay in your ego for too long when you're in nature and you see what's going on, you know, it's just, <laughs> It's just so magnificent and miraculous when you look at nature and how it all works. And you know, you don't you don't see birds complaining about the wind and you don't see trees saying, I'm not going to be as tall and strong as the next tree. You know, like it's 
and we are nature. We're all we're the foundation of all of us is exactly the same. We're all atomic. And so, mm-hmm. you know, the tree and me and and the moonbeams and you know, everything, the water, we're all made from the same thing. So mm-hmm. I think looking at the bigger picture and take trying to take the ego out of it. I mean, the egoic mind is so strong. But mm-hmm. I think if you can separate yourself from it and just get into some nature and just be with yourself and understand that it's all just bullshit stories. They're not mm-hmm. real. Nothing is real. It's just a bullshit mm-hmm. story that your mind is telling yourself to keep you small and keep you in control and you can make a choice to change that. Mm. So you've got the support structures of, right, I'm in the middle of something, this is too hard, this is like I can't gain any altitude. So heading outside into nature and giving yourself an opportunity to sort of get out of your shit enough to begin to see what's actually taking place from outside the inner belief system, from outside the bullshit stories. And from that place, it allows you to then utilize some of the tools that you that you've had to really address sort of what's happening. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's nothing like a good scream down at the ocean to sort of move <laughs> some energy because everything is energy, Haley. Mm-hmm. Like the the thoughts mm-hmm. are energy. The everything, the bad mood is energy. The emotions, energy. Everything's energy. So it's all about shifting the energy. And so, however you can do that, you know, bounce on a trampoline and whatever it is that helps you shift the energy. I I remember so clearly when I was probably in my late 30s, maybe early 40s, I was thinking about this the other night. I had a girlfriend who was working at a big shopping centre close to where I lived and I would she was like in, in a shop in the mall, like in the middle of the mall, so she was very exposed so I could always go talk to her and chat to her. And I remember so many times walking into that mall with my, like my chin was just glued to my chest. My head was down. I would not make eye contact with anyone. I was just in a funk would be the only way that I could describe it. And it happened many, many times. Now that's energy. Now how do you shift it? I didn't know that that was energy. I didn't know how to shift it. I didn't know. All I did was have to let it pass through for however many days or hours or whatever that took. Mm -hmm. Whereas now I know everything's energy, so now I know that I can shift it. Energy likes to be moved and likes to be transmuted into something else. And so now I know that I can do something, you know, whether it is to go for a walk or go for a swim. Swimming in the ocean is one of the best things for me. I can, mm. That really changes my perspective. Mm. I think there's an important thing in that that I do want to make conscious is a lot of the times before we deepen our awareness, we, you know, we sure we experience these emotions, this energy, this negativity that moves through us. And, you know, personally, I, I would have done the same thing, like allow it to move through me for as long as that took. Yeah. And that could be hours, days, weeks, mm-hmm. months. Um, and sure, that that's one way. But I love that the understanding of like, okay, cool, these emotions, these energies, I can shift them so it's like I can still honour the anger or the frustration or where it's coming from and identify that and I can move it through me or out of me so that I can then begin to address something, Mm -hmm. begin to make a shift. And, you know, for for you that's nature or swimming in the ocean, for others it might be kickboxing, 
for me, a lot of the time it is nature or or dance. Um, I think I mentioned in one of the other episodes, like if you've ever tried to dance angry, <laughs> like just give it a whirl. It's hilarious and you just can't stay angry. Like sure, you can punch at the room, at the ceiling and move and stomp your feet around and then you begin to see that it's like a child having a tantrum and you just start laughing. And, you know, so <laughs> that's one way for, for me that I shift the energy. I can be in the worst funk. And I do that and within like, I don't know, 30 seconds, five minutes, like I'm feeling better. Sometimes I don't want to dance and nature is that. So it's just being able to make conscious and have the awareness that when these things happen, finding the easy, simple ways for yourself that help you shift through them and feel it and express it but in a time that doesn't take months or years. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and then from that point you get that attitude, you can get that self-reflection and you can really begin to observe what's mm-hmm. what's been happening and, and how how it's your behaviour, your belief system, your stories have been impacting the world around you, like this sort of 3D matrix. It's like if I believe about myself that I'm not good enough and I'm putting out vibes that I'm not good enough, other people are going to start proving to me that I'm not good enough and nothing is going to be possible for me in the world because I'm not prepared to or I don't know how to put in the value. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, so it starts impacting and you can see that once you've moved through yeah. the, the emotion of it. Our energy in, energy out. You can only attract at the energy level that you're on. So, that, you know, that's so important to know that. That's a really good point. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so... With all of these things that you've gone through over the last few years, these big shifts, these transitional times and the conscious choices to not drink and then to continue to keep choosing that so that you can continue to keep choosing, you know, showing up in your fully authentic self from here on out, what has this catalyzed in your life? Like what has been made possible because you broke your ankle and you made these choices? Well. Oh, I want to just say joy, mm. really. Yes. I mean, you, I can talk about where I live and the house and my son and my business and my friends and my family. I can talk about all of that, but really it's just joy in myself. It's just waking up. I was actually just in a, a mentoring um, session earlier today and I was talking about my praying and I said, you know, I... I don't have anything to complain about. I just thank God for, with all my gratitude for the joy that I get to feel. And I mean, there's sometimes I don't feel as joyful as others, but generally I feel very peaceful and I feel joy. And I have this ability to be grateful and acknowledge the smaller things in life. Like, you know, as I said, nature is, I just see the birds and and how they you know, how they live and I just love, I love, I love nature. I just think it's incredible and we can learn so much from it. So I just think being grateful and having joy. And I would say that is even more profound than than sharing the the, the updates that what have been possible for where you live and, and, and your work because at the end of the day, how many of us are moving through life wishing for more joy, Mm. wishing for happiness, wondering why we can't experience it like other people. Um, And so I think to 
be able to sit here with me and and say deeply and truly that I now experience a joyful life you know that there I think I believe is what we're all we're all wanting deeply desiring is a joyful life and yes of course that shows up in different ways but I love that you named I'm able to be grateful for all the things in in life and you know that comes in reframing the challenges <laughs> you know we can be then grateful for the challenges for the fuck-ups you know this podcast we can be grateful for the fuck-ups because you know of the learnings and the growth and you know the complete pivoting in life that can take place and being able to slow down and be really present in nature and just the joy of, of the day-to-day life like that's a vast shift from having to have achieved something like a perfect marriage or you know six-figure business or whatever it is that's an outside external circumstance that we only have happiness when we reach it Mm. whereas the way you're showing up now says I can find joy in each moment Mm -hmm. and yes there are moments I don't but it's possible for me to find joy yeah, in each moment, absolutely. and I think that that's such a vast shift. Oh, it's huge! It's been the it's been the biggest gift in my life, other than you know, other than obviously having kids, and you know that's been pretty marvelous as well. But being able to be present and being grateful for what I do have, and being you know grateful for the small things, and understanding that there is something so much bigger at, at foot. And being joyful in every moment has been the biggest gift for me. Mm. I so hear that. Mm. So, Elle, I'd love to ask, what what is coming up for you? What are you sharing? I saw the other day that you released something. I'd love for you to share a little bit more with us about it. Sure, absolutely. So I have a three-month program. So I have a couple of different offerings. One is called Manifesting Circles for Visionaries, which is a full-day immersion in my home and it's it's just amazing. We go through some healing, some breakthroughs, and then some creativity. Uh, and it's just the most beautiful bonding connection and really just for eight women. And you just rock up and everything is provided. It's just stunning. And that The next one I have, I have two coming up in December, one on the 8th of December and one on the 11th of December. And then the next level for a deep dive into the art of manifestation incorporating the manifesting circles i have a three-month program called manifest on fire which will run for in december february and march it incorporates two manifesting circles and then six uh, sorry three months of mentoring with me to really learn about your values and emotions and how your emotions are what manifest things into your life it's not actually the things so if you have a vision board with things on it, it's great because I've got one behind me. But as you can probably see, Haley, that it's also full of the emotions that I want to, mm. I, you know, I want to feel because, as I said, everything is energy. So it's impossible to manifest wealth from lack and scarcity, and it's impossible to manifest a soul love from not having self love. So it's about. Mm. It's actually about manifesting the emotions and learning the art of how to do that. And so this mentoring program is teaching women how to be in the emotion that they want to be in and therefore manifesting the life and creating the life that they really want. And they might not know what that life is, but this will all unfold during this course. And that's called Manifest on Fire. 
I love the name for starters. It just sounds <laughs> so <you>. juicy. <laughs> the women that you're calling into this, where is it, like what is their experience at the moment and what is it that you would love to have them experience or know or be in by the end of this course? Well, I think that their current situation would be that they may feel that they have no control over life, that life is happening to them, that they might be in a bit of a groundhog day, you know, just same shit, different day, and that they are at the mercy of their emotions. They might be rolling, riding that roller coaster with both hands, white knuckling it, you know, so that's where they're at at the moment. And then they can't see their future being any different to that. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the mentorship, they would be having this empowerment that they would know that they have a choice. They know that they can choose their emotions and choose their responses. So therefore, by doing that, they have more, they're in charge more and they can then create the life that they want. And they might not even know what that life is, as I said. So during this whole process, it'll uncover to them what really is aligned with their heart and what is on purpose and what what makes what lights them up. I want them to be sparkling from the inside out, sparkling with life. Yes, I love that because <laughs> from that place anything is possible. Absolutely anything is possible. I'm so grateful to have been here with you today. I've just had such a, a, a great time hearing your stories, taking in your wisdom and I hope to have you back on here in the future. Oh, I'd love to. Um, and see what's come from Manifest on Fire and what unfolds beyond that point. So if there was one last thing I'd love to hear from you, it is what would you share with this version of L prior to breaking your ankle that you would have needed or loved to have heard? Listen to your heart. I think that she wasn't at all. She was all in her head. And also maybe that be brave. Be brave and acknowledge the brokenness because you can't change a thing if you don't acknowledge where you are. And I so agree. So many of us go through life overriding our heart with our head Mm -hmm. or not even giving ourselves an opportunity to experience. And so that in itself... I think is absolutely magic and then to be brave to follow it mm-hmm. absolutely you know and to come into acceptance and acknowledgement of where you are and what is and and then you know listen to your heart to get excited about what could be absolutely oh, it's juicy oh makes me makes <laughs> <I know>. me <laughs> makes me sparkle thinking about the all the all the possibilities <laughs> mm. Me too. Thanks so much, Elle, for being being here. It's been an absolute pleasure. What a beautiful conversation, Hayley. Thank you for having me. You're so welcome. Thank you.